Hello. Hello. Oh, yes, and uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us again. Yes, and uh, if you're watching this when it comes out, have you had a lovely Christmas? Um, yes, and and indeed a happy new year. Well, happy new year if you're listening to this like a week after we've posted it or further, right? Um, yes, I suppose that's right. Right now, you know, get the last little bits that you can do to salvage 2021. 2021, yes, we're looking back on 2021, eh? Well, this has been uh, a great year. We started this podcast. Uh, uh, right. So that's obviously a, a huge step forward for AI. It's been great. And this was a this was a fantastic uh, this was a fantastic um, episode that we uh, that, that we've done. But oh, yeah. first you had a little brush with AI yourself, didn't ah, you? see what you did there. <laughs> see yes. what you did there. Yeah, no, so, oh, this big girl went to the dentist for the first time in eight years. Oh, congratulations. Eight years. Yeah, yeah, no, because the previous dentist was terrifying. But that's a story for another day. Yes. Um, Is it AI relevant? No, it's not AI relevant. Just... Oh. You know how, okay, basically, you know how you have cover teachers in school and they were always terrible? Well, this was my first and only brush with a cover dentist. Oh. And it was as bad as a, you're imagining it to be. Oh, no. But this dentist I went to um, was very lovely, very nice, and she told me that I need to get an electric toothbrush, and I was like, all right. So I had a little look on Amazon yes. immediately. Yes, of course. And uh, the first toothbrush that got recommended to me apparently has AI in it. No. Yeah. You got an AI toothbrush. Which I felt like was ex excessive, right? Yeah, well, I think so. I mean, did it say how it used the AI, what sort of AI no, it was? it felt more like marketing than like genuine programming. Because, yes. like, if an AI is self-learning, what is it learning when you're, when you are manually holding it? Yes. And moving it around, and like, yeah, what what decisions is that toothbrush trying to make then? But it had an app as well that came with it, didn't yeah, that's it? That's mainly a neck timer, as you said. Oh uh, well, okay. Well, it's certainly true that AI is used as a bit of a. As a bit of a marketing brush to uh, to make people think that uh, that that things are much more exciting and and hence much more um, expensive yeah. than they than they need to be. Uh, well, that's another thing. I couldn't decide how much was the right amount to spend on a toothbrush because if I was buying a manual toothbrush, like I know how much I'd spend on that. Thing. But when soon as you went electric toothbrush, yes. because they range between like ah. Oh, eight quid and then some of them are like 400 pounds yes yes which is mad i was like i don't know because like if i went okay well what about if i went for the mean no if i went for like the middle number for like how much people spend that's still over a hundred quid that's like 180 yes. for the middle and then if i go for like the mean amount then i'm nearer to like 80 but yeah. then that still feels ridiculous so i don't know how much i'm supposed to spend a, a, on an electric toothbrush well, I think probably what you're doing is you're defining the space for a proper AI product here. I wonder if there are any uh, any any AI brushes listening out there who can. Uh, I don't know. That's a silly thing, isn't it? I just yeah, but I haven't got one yet. I, I'm not. I was going to get one now. Now it's the Boxing Day sales. We're going to see yes. what offers come up, um, and see what maybe I can. What do you think? There may there may be competition. 
in the AI toothbrush market. Yeah, well, it was only all There's a shakedown. Yeah, it was only it was all B. That's already like a big boy. Like if it was like a niche, um, what are they called, um, uh, like Kickstarter toothbrush, we're like, ah, oh, we put it. But it's already a big boy putting AI into the toothbrush. So that's like mass marketed. Yes. Yes, I I feel I ought to say that you've mentioned a, a retailer where the, where you went to, to have a look for this toothbrush, but other other retailers are available. We're not the BBC, Dad. Oh, no. not yet, not yet. Okay. <laughs> and how is your I've, Christmas, Dad? Uh, my Christmas is lovely. I've got a uh, I've got some science fiction books on AI that, I, that I'm reading in particular. <laughs> Um, one which was uh, co-written by the ex-president um, of Google China. Yeah. Oh, you told me that. So I'm going. So I'm read. I'm reading my way through uh, what he thinks is the future of AI. So um, that that's very exciting. It's a classic thing, I think, for buying presents for dads, dads in general, is that we don't know what to do until you like uh, suggest. That you like something, and yes. we all zone in on that. Yes, then everyone so gets it. So previously, it was Doctor Who when we were kids. Yes, that that's lasted a good ten years. Yeah, hasn't that lasted it? a really long time. Then we went in and zoned <laughs> in and bought you board games like mad. Yes. And then more recently, it's been comedy stuff. But that's harder. We just have to buy you like tickets for things. Yeah. And now we're zooming on anything with AI. We're buying you that. Yes, that's tr- that's um, um, slightly more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so this this week's episode. So right? this week's episode was great fun and very unexpected. So our guest, um, our guest came up with an idea that was right out of the blue and done in a completely unexpected way. I've used the word unexpected twice in that sentence. Um, perhaps I need an AI to help me. No, uh, it was it was really it was really good, really fun uh, record. Uh, generally, it was uh, after most of these. Like, I come away from the idea being like, wow, hasn't anyone already done this? Wow, that was really interesting. And genuinely, this one was super, super, super interesting. I'm really excited for this one to come out. I think I told, when I talk about the podcast, people being like, yeah, I'm releasing the podcast. This was the one I talked about quite a lot. Yes. So, um, button up, strap (laughs) in. uh, And uh, today you'll be hearing uh, from Dr. Pamela of Woodykay. Uh, who is one of my colleagues, but in the uh, in the Department of Social Sciences at the University of Southampton. Yeah. So thanks very much for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy. <laughs> so, so it's wonderful to have you uh, with us today. We've got. Um, uh, Dr. Pamela of Woodicay, um, who's uh, and uh, let me see if I can get this right. You're an associate professor of criminology, yes, and a criminal justice specialist, but also a fellow of the Alan Turing Institute for Data Science and Artificial Intelligence. So, right. how how does how does criminology and AI fit together? Is it is it like we see on in you know sort of on the movies? Is it RoboCop? Is that what you specialize in? Um, well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me to participate in this. Um, I think your question is a very good one. You know, how is criminology sort of related to AI? Um, it is very much related because um, 
some of the technologies that are being used uh, within criminal justice systems, which is what you know criminologists study criminal justice systems. Um, and some of the technologies are actually what you might classify as AI systems, and they are having quite a significant impact on decision making within justice systems. In, when you say justice systems, is that like the police service or the courts or, um, yes. yeah? Yeah, I'm referring mainly to the criminal justice system, which, you know, as you said, it comprises, you know, police services, probation, prisons and court services as well. Um, these are just examples of services that are using AI systems to make decisions um, about how to deal with, you know, people who come into the system as, you know, defendants, arrestees and so on. So actually, um, I think I'm going to have to get to rewind a bit because whenever you see this on, whenever you see um, things like this on on the TV, yeah. it's always people in wigs and gowns with lots of papers. You know, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a laptop in a court scene. Is so? How much is how much is the, is the, is IT involved, and how much where where is AI fitting into it? Yeah, so my research really focuses on uh, predictive um, algorithms. Um, they yeah. are sometimes referred to as AI systems, of course, yeah. but mainly, you know, data-driven predictive systems that are used um, to determine whether an individual will reoffend, for example, the risks of reoffending, or they are also used by some police services to predict where crime would occur. So they're applied by different services, yes. So we've got predictive policing algorithms that tell us or that try to determine or predict where a future crime would occur. Then we have no, risk assessment, no. <laughs> individualized risk. They're not individualized, but they're yeah. risk assessment tools, also called sometimes predictive algorithms. That, as, as I said, they use to determine whether an individual would reoffend in the future. And then based, of course, on that information, um, it, you know, the information can be used by the courts, for example, to determine the level of uh, penal intervention that should be applied mm -hmm. in a particular case. You know, what type of sentence should it be a prison sentence or a probation community based sentence depends on the level of risks. So predictive algorithms are used to make those decisions. They're also used to make decisions about whether or not to grant an individual bail or whether to remand them in custody, of course, pending investigations and so on. So are they, this would have been done by by people, by, I don't, I don't know what, you know, sort of how they're titled, but, you know, sort of the, the police would have come up with a, a, a some kind of idea about where they thought all either the crime was likely to happen or, you know, sort of so the um, people, professionals, lawyers, I don't know, would have decided, or social social workers would have decided if the risk of reoffending was high. Is, did is this is they taking over from that, or did I have I got the whole thing wrong? So, so that's actually where part of the problem is: is that you know, um, some of, most of these tools I would say are actually commercialized. So we've got private companies creating the tools. Oh, that's... Uh, yes. That's <laughs> <So we> got... <laughs> I know, it, it adds a very strange dimension to the quest equation because, you know, we've got the private sector involved in creating predictive algorithms that are used in the justice system. So, you know, they determine what sort of theories inform their tools. Um, you know, some of the tools are explicitly theory-driven. So, for example... Um, 
for my study, uh, which was funded by the Turing uh, Institute, we looked at an example of a predictive placing algorithm that was actually created by a private company. So they determined what theory of crime to use to create the algorithm. You know, they determined where to get the data. That's information mm -hmm. that the algorithm yeah. rely on for predictions. So it adds oh, a very, very serious yeah. um, dimension. We've got private people um, involved in making criminal justice decisions. Well, computer programmers. Uh, so, so some of them, I don't know if you classify them. I mean, the predictive algorithm that we looked at was actually created by, um, I think they're mainly mathematicians. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> That's not filling me with huge amounts of confidence either. I mean, computer program the problem with computer computer programmers as a profession, hello, you know, so I kind of sort of consider myself one, um, is that we started off thinking, oh, you know, sort of we've got these new things, we've got these computers, we're going to we've got getting really good at learning how to control them. And then we yeah. thought, hmm. I'm sure we can do the same trick with society. I'm sure we can just control people. And yes. it seems to me that we're in that sort of bind at the moment. Yes. Um, so um, are they taking, is, is it just replacing what used to be there before? Or is this, um, or well, is? They are very popular. They're very commonly used. I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're replacing decision-making uh, entirely. Mm. Um, you know, most of the criminal justice algorithms I'm aware of, uh, there's always a human in the loop, sort of making yeah. the final right. decision. Yeah. You know, so there's either the judge who looks at the risk um, assessment score and then makes a decision based on a range of other factors. There's always a probation officer who does the same thing or the police officer and so on. So there's always a human in the loop, yeah. you know, loop of decision making. Okay. So I wouldn't say that they're taking over, but they do have a significant impact, you know, as many studies are beginning to show on how decisions are made in the justice system. Yeah. Can I ask what kind of data would you, does it need to be able to work out uh, whether someone will re-offend. So we don't know where the data comes from. You see, there is another. Really? So, you know, <laughs> we don't know. Um, but we know that part of the data uh, mm -hmm. comes from administrative data sets. So things like arrest data from the police, so police crime records, for example, mm -hmm. uh, things like reconviction data as well, so data on people who have been reconvicted. So, you know, those types of data are fed into the algorithm to make predictions in individual cases. So the individual risk subject, as the person who is being risk assessed, is basically being compared to other people who have been processed in the justice system. Wow. Uh, yeah, to see, <laughs> to see whether that individual would reoffend. And you don't know what data they're using because it's commercial in confidence. Exactly. It could be, they could be going, oh, you're a Taurus. That doesn't vote well. Exactly. We, we don't know. Um, it, what makes it more difficult is that, you know, uh, because we're, we're looking at criminal justice data, data on quite vulnerable people, uh, you wouldn't really expect, you know, the criminal justice agencies that use such data to release, to release them okay. you know, to researchers like ourselves, which is one of the problems that we encountered in our Turing study, you know. And then, and then, of course, the algorithms themselves are trade secrets, so you can't really, you know, the people who develop them can't be compelled to release their code. 
So wow. if, you're, if, you're a if you're a defendant who has been assessed as a high-risk person, you can't challenge it. You can't sort of examine the code to challenge it or to report that sort of uh, conclusion. So. Well, so do they hold more, um, like, their, like their algorithm is more important than this person's? Like they, they can't come in to ask for it yeah. or like see why? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's because of, you know, trade secret protections, isn't it? The, you know, trade secret laws sort of protect the developers. They don't have to reveal the algorithm. I mean, that's what a recent case um, that was heard by the Supreme Court in the States yeah. uh, held that, you know, if you're a defendant, tough, you can't question the algorithm because to question it, you have to examine it, you know. Wow. Um, so there are yeah. serious uh, justice implications yeah. with well, using I guess those algorithms. Why it's handy to have the human element right at the end to just make sure there's empathy. <laughs> to be like, yeah, yes, but but then there's evidence showing that you know the algorithms do influence decision making quite a lot. You know, there's this thing called uh, there's a concept called tech superiority. This whole, whole idea that you know uh, technological decision making is much more superior to human decision-making. And there's a bit of evidence that, you know, decision-makers in the justice system view the technological outputs as more reliable than even sometimes their own assessments of the situation. So that the technologies are having a significant impact on decision-making. That's, that's, that's really worrying. So presumably that's why you're, um, in your CV, it says you're a member of the um, fairness, transparency, and privacy interest group yes. at the at the AI Institute, the um, Turing Institute for AI. So, um, is it? It's, it's. I mean, it's much more widespread than just the criminal justice system, isn't yes. it? It's, yes. So, what are the things that you know, sort of, that you're passionate about on that on that group? Well, I'm I'm very passionate about um, you know the implications really for or the potential for such systems to uh, foment uh, racial discrimination. So that's what I'm really interested in, because there's, you know, a number of studies have shown that, you know, uh, black and minority ethnic groups are particularly disadvantaged by such systems, especially when the systems rely on uh, criminal justice data, where, you know, there might be, um, incidents of racial bias, racially biased decision-making, which find their way, of course, into criminal justice data. Yeah. And when those algorithms rely on such data, mm. then you can imagine what the predictions would be and how that mm. would impact, you know, um, people who are from um, minority ethnic groups. Yeah. But then, you know, sort of we were, so you might worry, oh, the, the computers, the algorithms, the AIs are taking over from the people. But we know that people are awfully biased, um, certainly sort of racially anyway. So it, it kind of feels like the devil in the deep blue sea or the frying pan and the fire. I mean, what's, what's, what's your feeling about how to, how to actually improve you know, so, um, the, the, the situation? Well, you know, I always say that um, algorithms, regardless of where they are used or how they're created, um, they reflect society, they reflect human values. So mm -hmm. if, if there is, um, if there are elements of, of racial bias in society, you'll find that embedded in the algorithms, especially the data-driven algorithms. 
Um, so that's one thing. Um, in terms of, you know, possible remedies, I think that was the second part of your question, Les, was it? Oh, I'm sure it would have been. <laughs> that's a very good question. That to, was my to understanding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in terms of remedies, I think, you know, you know, I've had this discussion over and over again uh, where I say, I have to point out that the people who created these algorithms, um, as far as I know, as far as I'm aware from my reading and my research over the past few years, is that, you know, they had good intentions, right? So what we're witnessing now with, you know, racially biased outcomes and so on are unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. um, I think they set out to design uh, technologies that would improve decision-making in justice systems. You know that that's that's the way I view it. Um, and from that perspective, then we can think of the AI systems in terms of their prospects. They have the potential to improve decision making. Uh, they can mm -hmm. analyze large volumes of data to, you know, uh, make predictions and so on. Um, but uh, <laughs> apart from absolutely not using the technologies. I can't really think of how to solve the problem because data yeah. will always reflect human biases. Algorithms yeah. always reflect, you know, what do you do? Um, you know, so, some researchers have tried to um, introduce or develop technical fixes, what I call technical fixes, like trying to de-bias data by removing sort of um, predictors, risk predictors that are that might operate as proxies for race, like, you know, arrest uh, rates and reconviction rates and so on. Mm. Um, but then I don't know how successful that can be. Can you ever have a fully unbiased data set? Is that ever going to be possible, really? Mm. I don't well, think... Can you ever have a fully unbiased human? Exactly. This yeah. is the problem. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. So... You know, the solutions are still being considered, but at the moment, there hasn't really been what 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 you see in the literature is uh, things like you know how to mitigate biases, right? But you know, right. not you know full con solutions to address the problem. So, are you? Would you say you're hopeful about the future, yes. or are you? You are. Oh, that's good. Yes, very much hopeful. <laughs> I think in terms of prospects and challenges, you know, I think in terms of the potential for the systems to improve decision making, mm -hmm. um, but we have to address some of the issues I've just talked about. You know, like mm. the potential to foment racial bias and so on. Yes. Okay. Well, well, thank you very much. I mean, that is both a very that's that's a very insightful. Um, uh, um, view of you know sort of what's happening to a part of our, our society we see kind of reflected in the news but we don't often um, find out about how, how it's working um, and you know it's good to it's good to, you know you, you, that we've got a hopeful view about what what the AI could provide us beyond a cheaper way of coming to a decision. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So we invited you here under the purpose of this podcast yes. is to try and, and do the positive thing and to sort yes. of imagine a future with AIs in it. Um, because the the we I think the whole of human society has this, you know, has an understanding about AI mm. and um, artificial intelligence and robots yes. because it's been watching um, films for yes. you know, sort of 20, 30, 40 longer 
uh, years, you know, sort of, which come up with these ideas. Yes. Um, but mainly they're channeled down, you know, sort of into action thrillers with robots that are going to um, kill everybody. Yes. I've got to ask, it's been on my mind for ages, what is that movie where they predict, where it predicts that, the police yes. officer? I was going, going to say to that. Time. That's minority. Isn't it a minority report? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. With Tom Cruise. Yes, yeah. I know. Yes, because they use the term future crime. Yes. And pre absolutely. Yeah, yes. That's, that's, is that like when you were saying like the predictiveness of the crime and stuff? Is it that level of predictiveness or just like. Yeah. It is. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. It's just, you know, we're talking in terms of probabilities, isn't it? You know, oh, no one can ever really fully predict the future. So, yeah, yeah it's just uh, predicting risks, risk, crime risks, not actual crime that would happen in the future, which no one can ever predict, is it? Isn't it? No, no, no. Yeah. And, and the movie, as it showed, couldn't, because always exactly. will. Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned it, Ruby, actually. It's quite relevant to the discussion. Yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I, I was trying to remember what it was, but I'm glad we've got that. And now I yes. really want to watch it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's true. It was, and it has lots of, it has lots of, you know, kind of explores lots of science fiction things. But uh, yeah. I think, I seem to remember that the principal thing that drove it, the, you know, sort of the way they determined what was going to happen was they yeah. had three people in a bath. Um, which seems to be an unlikely sort of technology. These, these um, pre, um, people who could see into the future. It's not a common. Exactly, which is what predictive algorithms try to do, isn't it? They try to see into the future and predict yeah. risks. And they have but they, but they're, they're very much like, just like um, insurance. What do you, what do you call yes. accessories? They're not yes, predicting absolutely. the future. They're just telling you what would have happened in the past if this situation happened in the past, aren't they? They're, it's based yes. on an understanding of how things have worked out. Exactly, exactly. And, and then with predictive algorithms, they use you know, uh, data on criminal history. They use you know, data on the past try to predict what could happen, the risks of what could happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so, <laughs> so we're here to imagine a positive future with AIs that doesn't yes. depend on robot killing machines no, no. or on uh, creating domestic servants um, <laughs> that are going to do the ironing for you, Although, however, however appealing that would be. Um, I know. So um, I'm going to hand over to Ruby, okay. who is our question master. Okay. Here we go. So we're imagining our, um, uh, our this, basically, uh, Pam, you yes. have created the first original general AI, okay? Mm -hmm. And we're going to work out what it does. Um, okay. So as the director of this startup that's made this general AI, mm -hmm. what area of work is it going to, I have a feeling I know what area of work it's going to go into. <laughs> what area of work would it go into? Our options are like art, business, charities, education, energy, finance, health, law, yes, well, <laughs> leisure, media, politics. Yes. Where are we going like, to go into? Yes, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, so my, my vision really is that my AI, which I've carefully designed, and I'll talk about in a few minutes, yeah. will work in the area of law, unsurprisingly. Yeah. Um, and it would deal specifically with the problem of AI uh, auditing and regulation. Ooh, auditing and regulation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
So, okay, so is there an ordinary thing, where, what's that pr its primary function then? Like, how would, for me and the other people who aren't as uh, technically advanced as you do, <laughs> what would that mean? Okay, so, so do you want to know the name of my new AI? You already have the name? Yes. yes I'd love to know the name. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of, and I felt very proud of myself, actually, yeah. coming up with the name. <laughs> Oh, or do you want me to say it later on? Oh no, book? I want to know it now. If you know it, I'm, okay. I'm on so I've, not, I've named it Robodit. Okay, so it's spelled. It's a robot. Yeah. Uh, so it's spelled R O B O for Robo, and then Audit. Okay. So its full name is Robodit. And Robodit. Okay, Robodit sounds better actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, true to its name, it would be. Um, a robot that audits other AI systems. So, oh. I, yes, that's what it will be. It will audit other AI systems. Um, it will be the ultimate auditing machine. That's what <laughs> it's going to be. Um, the, actually, the full name is Robodit, the Game Changer. The Game oh. Changer. <laughs> that's the full name. But shortened it to Robodit. Oh. So, it will be the I am just made of questions right <laughs> okay. now. I can imagine. So, um, so it will be used um, to screen all data-driven AI systems for potential social harms before they can be certified as fair and ready to be used in any sector, right? Be it criminal justice, insurance, finance, or other areas. So you know, you, although there'll be an emphasis on criminal justice because that's my area of research, yeah. but it could you can be you be it would be a robot of general application. So oh, it can be used to audit um, any AI system used in any sector, not just criminal justice, yeah. as I said, insurance, finance, and other areas. So you've created like an AI boss. Like yes, AI of AI. AI of AI is the ultimate auditing machine. Robotic. Robot. And also, I love that this is like the boss of AI. Like it's, <laughs> it sounds like it should be really big and terrifying. But my goodness, um, robo yes. robotic just sounds like a really cute name. I'm just like I just like. like oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> sounds adorable. <sighs> so the AI that audits and regulates all other AI. Yes, That's a big responsibility, right? <laughs> Very big responsibility. Uh, is is there a is there an sorry, Ruby? I'm jumping into our, our question. Is there an equivalent for like humans? Is there is what's it like? Is it like a, um, a sort of like a, a school teacher who can only pass you if you? But it's about it's about ethics and fairness. So is it is it like a is it like a priest? Um, <laughs> is it like a what what is it? Is it? Um, I would think that it would be like a very strict and very grouchy school principal. <laughs> yes. I think it would be very strict. It will sort of inspire quite a lot of fear. <laughs> um, <laughs> quite a lot of fear to, to, to encourage compliance. Um, I want to say, tell me about your parents. Oh, <laughs> Wow. Oh, so okay, so if it needs to strike fear, so okay, so yeah. where does how does uh Robo Author look? Is he I'm, I'm saying he already, um, which maybe shows my bias that if you're saying oh he's scary, it must be a him. Um but okay, so 
it? Is it in an everyday object, uh, a uh, uh, something strange, or uh, a new object? Like, this okay, the so, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, the other thing which I realized when when we've been talking about this quite a lot is that does your AI have a one location like it lives in this one machine or is it like an interweb thing and it can like go out and just be in within whatever it needs to go to yes um so just answer your, before i answer your question please bear in mind that you know my background is in the social sciences so <laughs> so, so some of what i'm going to discuss here um is quite technical information that okay. you know a computer or data science scholar uh, like Les, uh, will have to transform into a workable or practical solution. So, you know, forgive me for my limited technical awareness. Oh, no, no. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> the CEO. You give your vision. Exactly. That's that, exactly. Thank you, Les. Translate so <laughs> my vision really is that, to answer your question, Ruby, is going to be a standalone robot. Okay. Um, um, and the way it will work is this, uh, you know, people who develop AI systems, it, we, you, so it will be a robot that has a, a user-friendly interface, yeah? Nice. And, and so the people who develop AI systems, be it in criminal justice, insurance, and so on, uh, they will use the interface to sort of enter their anonymized data and code. And then what Robotics will do then would be to process all that information provided and then it will give one of two answers, two possible answers by binary. So one answer that a developer could receive from Robotit is computer says no. Ruby, <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's our licensing agreement? <laughs> and, uh, I acknowledge my source. <laughs> I was going to say that that is a term that I borrowed from the show Little Britain. <laughs> yes. So, so, so one answer a developer could get from Robotit is computer says no. Uh, but if Robotit reviews, you know, the uh, developer's data and code and so on, and tells the developer that computer says no, it means that the developer's new AI system produces discriminatory outcomes and should not be used in its current state. Okay? Yes. If the answer is computer says yes, then it means that Robotit hasn't detected any biases, right, in the data and the model and so on. And then it means that the new AI system can be used because it's going to produce fair outcomes. Yeah. Mm. Now, I just want to add very quickly that Robotit will do much more than reviewing new AI to provide this you know, binary yes or no res response. It will also have remedial qualities, which sort of links up to the question Les asked earlier about possible solutions. <laughs> so it will have remedial qualities. So what it, what it means is that it will provide solutions that, you know, as I said, currently seem impossible. Uh, one solution would be that, you know, Robotics will be able to completely de-bias data sets. So that bias, <laughs> it, will have, it will have the power to completely de-bias data sets so that, you know, biased outputs can be avoided. Mm. Yes. But there's a big but, though, 
um, the process of debiasing data sets to avoid biased outputs can only be a solution from RoboDit if the code that the developer submitted is not set up in a biased way. So the code matters, not just the data that is used by the right. system. Yeah. Um, if a, a developer's code, and this is actually one of the things we looked at for our Turing study, so now, if a developer's code is based on theories or assumptions or stereotypes, yeah, that are known to disadvantage certain groups, mm -hmm. then Robotic's response would be an emphatic computer says no. No, yeah, yeah. Okay? Meaning that the AI system should not be used, even if the data is debiased, right? And at this point, <laughs> Um, robotics will become very grouchy indeed. Very <laughs> <grouchy>. <laughs> Uncontrollable, out of control. That user-friendly interface is gone and it's now oh, just fine. Goodness, no longer user-friendly, but extremely <laughs> grouchy. Extremely grouchy. So, but, but, but basically, the point I'm trying to make at this point is that, you know, robotics will not only focus on identifying potential harms, like, you know, data harms and how to mm -hmm. address them, it will also show developers that their guiding theory, the assumptions they make, matter. Yes. Yeah. It, you know, they matter in the sense that they, you know, they can introduce bias. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you think so? There's um, when it says computer says no. There's two possible reasons. It could be that the data is biased or that the coding is biased. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh. Oh yeah. But you you said particularly it was because they they've done it on a. And a theory yes. of, that, that is shown to be biased Absolutely. and not give fair outcome. So yes. what this reminds me of terribly is that it feels like robotic could robotic robotic yes yes <laughs> <laughs> that robotic could would feel really at home on Twitter because it's just looking for things that show evidence that they that they um, that they're promoting. Um, a harmful view of the world, and then it will just cancel them. Yes, yes, it will cancel uh, wherever it finds evidence mm. of bias, of potential bias, oh, wow. right? It cancels out the technology. I mean, it does help, it helps to solve the bias. Yes. But if the code, if the underlying code itself is fundamentally biased, how do you solve that? You know, if the theory guiding the code, and, and by theory, I mean, you know, it, it could be anything from grand formal theory to just the basic assumptions that developers make. Yes. Know, uh, which, of course, inform how a code is formu formulated. I'm not sure I'm using the correct technical no. terms, but, you know. Well, no, I think, I think as, far as, I'm as far as I understand it, everything I've heard about AI ethics and governance has assumed that it will be humans trying to keep control yes. of the systems. This is nice because you've got a you've got a, one of their own. You've yes. got a, you've got a robot that's going that's going to police, audit, yes. regulate exactly. robots. Exactly. And gosh, I'm sure I've read lots of things that that just like that in 2000 AD comic when I was <laughs> when I was a teenager. Of, um, of some robots living in fear of other robots yes. who were, who were uh, this is, this is real. This, 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 this the, ultimate, the ultimate auditing machine, the game changer. Yeah, the game would there changer. only be one of them? There would be, oh, yes, only one of them. 
only one of them to start. I'm sure there'll be limitations with having only one. But at the moment, my vision is for one, one master robotic dealing yeah. with all these problems. Where would, where would robotic be based? Um, where would people, where would we get everyone to have to travel to? I'm thinking somewhere like, <laughs> make them like be make it worth it. Like I was going to say Slough. I don't know why Slough. <laughs> <laughs> Slough, Slough sounds like a good idea. So they have, have to, to give... come, line up. <laughs> but you see, the thing is, I also want Robotic to work um, not only with um, AI systems that are created or developed here in the, uh, well, in the Western world. Um, mm. I wanted to also work uh, with, you know, systems that are really being created quite a lot now um, in, in, in non-Western jurisdictions, like, you know, even West Africa, we have several West African countries now trialing predictive policing algorithms and so on. So the question of where it should be based is a very good one, which I have to give more thought, more consideration. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I want it to be used internationally. I want it to be yeah. global in its reach, you know. Yeah. Um, would it be would it be in the United Nations? Who would who would regulate Roboda? Is it is it the kind of the United Nations thing? Or is um, it? Or just put it in the Bermuda Triangle, whichever one likes. I'm torn between United Nations and Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make up my mind. You know, but my vision, as I said, is that it will be global in reach, but I have to think quite seriously yeah. about where it will be based. Mm. Um, I mean, that's if you have one because you could yes. always like because like you said like you could have it somehow I, again I'm not a technical person either but like, and I'm far less than you as well but it could be somehow internet-y and then there could be like yes. seven um bodies of um robotic and yes. he could like descend in uh yes. whenever it's needed so like one on each continent oh. Oh, that's oh, a very you... good idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good idea. It's because I can imagine robotics really, um, you know, being able to suddenly appear where it's needed. You know, yeah. once, it, once, once information is actually entered, like Ruby said, perhaps on a web-based interface or something like that, yeah. summoning uh, robotics. And, you know, so I, I think I would need to give robotics magical powers. To be able to... <laughs> oh, well, any, <laughs> any technology sufficiently advanced is indispensable <laughs> for magic. So exactly. I, I, we might allow. I mean, at the moment, it's sounding like another fr- part of the MCU franchise. <laughs> it's like a, very much like a superhero. Like a superhero, absolutely. Like Iron Man or Batman. Exactly. I'm glad you said Iron Man, Les, because that's exactly the image I have of Robocop. Robot audit, not Robocop. Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> Frodo and Sleep. <laughs> so, Robot it, that's the image I have, you know, huge, grouchy, you know, very um, imposing, yeah. um, uh, you know, big enough to inspire fear and, you know, compliance. Yeah. Um, so that that's the image I have actually of 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 Robodit. Okay, that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say he, um, Iron Man does have. I mean, 
I love the MCU universe, big fan. But he does have all the Iron Man robots that kind of shoot out and then control yes. crowds. So we can have just a, a center for loads of um, robot audits to be sent out when they're required. When someone's yes. programming to go, uh, excuse me. <laughs> yes. Let me just have a look at this. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this is an idea that I can actually sell to Marvel Studios, you know. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. It's... <laughs> The, the reason that I'm drawn to it, and it doesn't sound like fantasy, is because the whole of the Silicon Valley kind of universe is all, it's about these figures like um, yes. Elon Musk, oh, um, yes, Jeff yes. Bezos, who are, who are very, very much like um, um, Iron Man. Who, who is it behind yeah. Iron Man? Um, Tony Stark. Tony Stark, that's right. And like, you know, and they they have all this power and they're subject to no one's authority that and is. they can get away and they go to other you know, they want to go to other planets, they go into space. Yes. It, they are beyond parody in some way. Absolutely. And the idea that somehow we have a technology that will trump them, if you yes. let me use that word, that will that will you can that will keep them in check. Yes. Um, it seems to be quite appealing. I mean, I think so. I, I think so. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a humanoid robot, you know, sort of mimicking some of these powers um, that you're talking about, Les, that, you know, some of the owners of big tech companies currently hold. Um, I was going to say also that, you know, robot to be able to think and speak like human beings, as I said, you know, it'd be a humanoid mm. robot. Um, my vision is that it will speak many languages. Yeah. So, so it'd be trained to understand different cultural norms, you know, so it makes, so it's able to make decisions really that are culturally sensitive. I would love to find out how to say computer says no in like <laughs> French. And Russian. <laughs> absolutely. I think yeah, great. absolutely. I think cu- cultural sensitivity is very, very important. You know, we, yeah. we need to think about, you know, these AI systems that are being designed, are they actually responsive or sensitive to the norms and values of different different countries where they're being used? You yeah. know, mm. because I think what is currently happening is that, you know, some of the auditing frameworks that are currently being used um, were developed mainly in the Western world. They were developed with Western values in mind. And they're currently being used to review AI systems developed in other regions, like some African countries. So that can be quite problematic, you know. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I think is really interesting about this is that is if you like the, the contrast between what's clearly in your head when you think audit and what's in, I think, was in my head, and I would, wouldn't, I imagine, was in lots of people's head when you heard audit. Yeah. You imagined a, a grey man in a grey suit right. coming in to pour over your spreadsheets, and yes. um, you know, and they're they're an accountant, they're a, they're an auditor, they're they're considered to be irritant and insignificant, yes. but have no no ultimate power except they can bureaucratically they can yes. derail what you want to do and you've gone for something very you've gone for something very muscular yes and very powerful is this is this does this represent your your kind of like your what what 
social scientists feel like on the inside, you know, sort of like champions of social justice and wanting to be really effective in the world and not just write articles, but, you know, sort of absolutely force the world to change. Is that... Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, speaking personally, from a personal point of view, this is what I try to do. <laughs> I try to do through my research. And sometimes I get very grouchy indeed, you know, when I read and hear about some of the injustices that are that yes. have been associated yeah. with some of these systems. But I always bear in mind, like I said, that, you know, the people who design them have good intentions, you know, so you know, what we tend to be dealing with are some of, some of the unintended consequences. Yeah. Um, and that's why audits are extremely important, you know, because they tell us how to sort of um, translate ethical principles into actual AI design, okay. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but you're absolutely right, Les, you know, I'm driven by um, <laughs> social justice considerations. <laughs> and, you know, as far as my research allows me to, um, yeah. I try to see if I can make a positive uh, impact. Um, and, you know, what you said about, you know, auditors being, you know, people in grey suits and so on. You know, my, my father is a chartered accountant. And Oops, he, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can relate 100% <laughs> to what you were saying. You're absolutely right that that's the typical image, isn't it, of, of, of an auditor, you know, coming in, especially an external auditor coming into a company like some sort of... Uh, school headmaster or principal or something to yeah. look at your books and so on but you know to help you sort of make certain changes um but 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 you know regarding the second part of what you said yes yeah, social justice is at the forefront of um, what i try to achieve with my research Fantastic. Oh, I, I, I am rather worried at the moment because not only your father oh, but um my my son's um partner yeah. Is a VAT order. Oh, right. <laughs> so I'm just hoping Holly this. never listens to this. Oh, I hope he never, they never do. <laughs> we'll, we'll tell Holly to skip this one. Oh, and Holly, yes. you are listening. I think you're brilliant, but clearly my dad thinks oh, otherwise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. right, we're going to move on to the personality of okay. um, Robo Audit. Okay. Uh, Robo, I try, keep trying to put in the A. Robo Audit. Audit. Robo yes. Audit. There we go. Robo audit. audit. Right. So the personality. And I've stolen this personality um, mm-hmm. quiz thing from Sims 2, um, right. which I played growing up. I've, pick, right. I've picked three from what yes. we've said, and we're going to do it from a scale of one to ten. Okay. So one being the lowest from the first one I say, going all the way up to being super nice, like a Ten super of the other one, okay. and whether they're in the mix of the middle. So the three right. I've chosen is how where does um, Robo Audit sit on grouchy to nice? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I, I'll say first of all that you know when I saw this question, I had to ask my son. You know because he used to play Sims too when when he was little as well. He's in university yeah. now because um, I couldn't understand. I thought, oh my god, how am I going to answer this question? But um, yes. He explained it all to me, and from, from, from his explanation, I think Robotit will be very sensitive to the potential harms of AI systems, right? Mm. So it will be very much grouchy, unfortunately, very um, grouchy. especially okay. especially when it detects potential social injustice. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't really classify Robotit as 
you know, capable of being nice. Um, not at all. It would be extremely grouchy. It would become less grouchy. So we're talking about degrees, right? Yeah. So it would become le- degrees of grouchiness. <laughs> so it would become less grouchy um, when it audits an AI that shows a good balance of, you know, technical fairness and social justice. Yeah, so those are always like, the good head teachers when they like they walk through the classroom and you'd be like oh no and then they've done something right they'll be like well done you're like thank you yes yes exactly that that, that actually captures yeah. what i have in mind very well yes yeah, yeah. so and if you think about it if you think about a judge in a courtroom yes you don't want people to think oh aren't they lovely you know you want them you want them to be awe-inspiring and yes. worrying and then yes. like ruby says if if they find a case to be you know sort of compelling and they're on somebody's side and they will be warm towards them but you start off absolutely exactly um yes yes it it has to be grouchy so that its decision making can be respected but but that's fascinating because i when i think of all of the papers that i've read Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of them. You know, the many, many papers I've read on the on the, the way that you know, sort of empathy. You know, you yeah. try to fake empathy with. You have to make a robot able to fit in with human yeah. society, and yeah. therefore, you know, they've got to be pleasing and personable. Mm. This is the this is the opposite. Very much. This is you will you know you expect human society to fit in with your robot, mm. so you yes. have to make it. You have to make it something else. And um, now I just want to go and read up to see if there are any papers that suggest that. Well, um, it has to be grouchy, unfortunately, because, you know, we've had several years now of many studies showing evidence or that, you know, that some of these systems can cause harm, um, but they're still being designed um, no. There isn't really sort of, um, there's no, as far as I know, there's no uh, legal framework sort of governing um, how those systems are are designed or audited and so on. So we're at the point now where we have to create a very robust system. We we need a system that is strong, that will be respected, that will command compliance. (laughs) You know, and that's why robot it will be very um, grouchy, really. Very grouchy. its main objective really is to is to inspire fear (laughs) (laughs) and encourage you know compliance with ethical principles okay so then that would mean on my next one that kind of leads on to it quite well of like between these two where does it sit studious Mm -hmm. or um people oriented I i think it would be people oriented i think it would be people oriented because really what it's hoping um, to encourage is the design of human-centered uh, systems, systems that respect human rights, yeah. systems that are socially just, that don't foment biases of any kind. Well, not, maybe not by, but you know, discrimination, discriminatory yeah. outcomes of any kind. So, so I think it will be very much people-oriented. On the extreme end, or would it be slightly closer in to be? Because you said it. Because oh, we were trying to, we we're just talking about how it's going to be. A bit, we're not going to try and acclimatize it too much to being like people because that yes. hasn't worked previously. Yes, yes. So some somewhere um, in between, yeah. maybe more to, skewed more towards the people oriented 
side yeah. of uh, the spectrum. Um, yes, but you know, I, I want to emphasize that its main aim really is to encourage the design of um, you know, human centered, human centered or centric uh, systems, mm -hmm. systems that respect human rights, promote yeah. social justice. Mm. So it's very much, you know, focused yeah. on people's rights. So, so if, that, if that's what you mean by people oriented, yeah, um, it's outcome then, for the people. But yes. while it's looking at the things, it's like no, no, I'm not gonna. Um, yeah, so it, it is being very studious. Yes. But it, um, but that is, it has to be studious. It has to study yes. the the code and the data. It has to be very clever and be able yes. to calculate those things. Um, but um, it's it's that is um, not its main. That's so it can deliver its main function. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in that sense, it's, it's very much the headmaster. It's very much that headmaster thing, isn't it? Absolutely. You're not. You're not. You're not gruff because gruff is the thing to be. That yeah. it's you know you're the thing to be is to is to provide um, is to provide um, undeveloped people with yes. the with the boundaries. Yes. So that they can develop. Absolutely. Um, that, that's what it aims to do. So, yes, no, you're right, um, Les. It'll be studious in some ways, but its ultimate aim yeah. is to encourage uh, developers and governments yeah. and so organizations and so on to create AI systems that are actually people oriented, you know, respectful yeah. of human rights and so on and so forth. Okay. And then my last one of these. Oh, I've chosen this one, but it's the one that I can't say. So <laughs> I'm going to give it my best shot, and then my dad will chime in with the correct pronunciation. Okay. But it's between judgy and laissez faire. Not at all. As you can imagine at this stage, it's not, it's, it's, um, so, you know, judgy sounds a bit negative. Mm. Isn't it like it's trying to impose some sort of moral values and norms and so on? Yeah. I think it's it's definitely not laser affairs in its approach, but it's it, it, it's judgmental to a degree in the sense that it assesses, you know, um, it assesses a, other AI systems. It looks at the data choices that have been made. It looks at the yes. theory guiding the code. So it makes a bit of quite a lot of judgment on those it issues. Um, but we have to bear in mind, of course, you know, like I said earlier, what its ultimate aim is. So although it might appear judgy in some respects, its aim really is to advance yes. the creation of, you know, um, socially just AI systems. Yeah. So I wouldn't say if I say judgy, it sounds a bit, it sounds no, no, a bit like moralizing it, sort of thing. It doesn't let things slip. It doesn't go. Oh well, that you know, no. we can we can overlook that. No, no, absolutely no, no. not. It's going no. in. It knows that human lives are on the line, especially when we talk about high stakes environments like criminal justice systems, yeah. where so, you know uh, rights and liberties are very much at stake. So it's never going to be laissez-faire in its approach. Yeah. But, it, but it wouldn't really be moralizing. What it's trying to do is to ensure that, you know, the systems yes. are ethical, fair, and so on and so forth. 
So, um, I, when you when you describe this, you know, sort of, it's very much oriented towards that that what he wants to achieve. Yes. And it's doing it by judging, you know, sort of AR other AIs. Yes. What would it be doing when it wasn't judging an AI? Have you thought about that? Does it have a does it have a a side hustle? Does it have a, a background purpose that it wants to get on with? Well, I, I don't think that I don't see any harm in giving it a background purpose. Um, it doesn't have to be a one trick pony. Um, <laughs> it could be a cup holder. <laughs> I mean, it could do other things like, you know, um, it could educate kids on on AI, on it, it could provide yeah. lessons. On, could it? On, yeah, on, on auditing. It could draw on its experiences to, you know, inform. Uh, it, it can attend conferences because it's a humanoid robot. Yeah. It can attend different types of conferences where it talks about the harms of AI and how best to mitigate the harms and how to audit. Okay. You know, so it could be educational in that sense. I, I actually see no harm whatsoever in giving it, you know, a range of background activities, even making it fun for kids. So it could be taught how to dance, and, you know, different tricks and so on and so forth. Um, but of course, you know, its main purpose is, you know, it's the ultimate auditing machine. That That's the main thing that it's being created to do. Would it, like on its days off, would it go to Parliament <laughs> and judge their debates to see whether they were fair? Um, to be honest, I don't see any reason why not, Les. I, I mean, it could be because it's, it's, I mean, there's no limit, really. When you think about technological advancement, there's no limit, really, to the potential that an AI system can have. But if it's really interested in producing a human-centered, people-centered, you know, sort of world where the decisions yes. were made in favor of humans... Yes. I'm, so I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to go to where I was going to go. Which <laughs> how would it cope in the in, in Parliament this week? No, let's go. Let's go to let's but let's just think. Would it would it take day trips to to courts and to um, local authorities and check that they were behaving in a compliant way? They were be they were building their decisions on the best evidence and and not just building in biases would oh that that would be excellent i mean i hadn't thought of that but now that you say it les that would be brilliant i mean if you could travel around to you know these sort of public sector organizations that use the ai systems and it, it will make inspections i'll call it inspections yes yeah? Yeah. and it will be unannounced inspections so surprise visits <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes. It, and, be, uh, yes unannounced <laughs> just to look at systems and yeah. Um, assess them for fairness and like I said it would be educational as well you know informing the organizations where the problems are um, looking at solutions like I said the biasing data yes. provided the code itself is not biased um, yeah it would be like Ofsted <laughs> it would be like Ofsted, Ofsted. the governments we have, we, yeah, we have similar inspections in criminal justice as well, where um, they're different inspectorates, you know, but they go to oh, prisons yes. 
uh, yeah, they go to prisons uh, unannounced and oh my goodness, you should see the reports, <laughs> you know, <laughs> very revealing. So unannounced visits are much more revealing than, you know, um, yes, of course. announced inspections. Yeah. Well, I, th I, th I think that's a, that's a very useful second, second you. Sorry, yes. Ruby, over to you. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, considering you've mentioned it will dance, will it go on Strictly, uh, strictly Come Dancing? Um, well, I, think, come I, on, think, I love it. I know, but but I think it will do better in Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's where, I think that's where it will do very well. That's because you'll be able to show off all its talents, what it can do. I don't think I think Simon Cow will see that as competition. Seeing oh yes, that's movie. true. That's true because he's very judgy. So yeah. <laughs> in a nice way, I suppose. But well, it would know. it would be able to it would be able to tell us whether Britain's Got Talent was yes, fair, fair, whether it was doing fair, fair judgments or whether <laughs> whether there were secret backhanders going biased in some way. Yeah. Yes. Oh, this is what we want. This is the content we're here for. Very useful in that context. Oh yes, yes, it could be one of the one of the judges on RuPaul. <laughs> which may be why we need more than one yes yes <laughs> there's so many i mean there's no limit to its potential there's just no, so many it's... tasks it could perform yeah. <laughs> and now for our quick mandatory health and safety assessment right. oh, okay yes. <laughs> audit. um what do you think is a way that it could possibly go wrong <laughs> right um, I mean that's I think that's a very good question and you know as we all know you know any it's, it's a data-driven system robotics mm. and any such data-driven system comes with its challenges um, I mean one risk that I can identify sort of relates to the issue of data harms you know mm. um, as you know if a system uses private data from the public um, it is my duty, it would be my duty as the developer, mm. the software developer, to protect that data. Yeah. You know, and then the issue, then the question then arises, how do I ensure data privacy, data security, and so on and so forth? You know, because I'm very conscious of the fact, in fact, I'm writing a, a research funding bid on this topic, actually, that, you know, I'm conscious of the fact that, you know, data violations can undermine trust in any system. Mm. You know, when we hear about when there are press reports or media reports about such issues, it can really, really damage trust, public trust in the systems. And, you know, data violations can also create profound problems like, you know, the misuse of data for harmful purposes, mm. you know. So RoboData has to have a very robust data security framework in place, you know, to avoid harms like, data breaches, you know, unauthorized access by actors, um, including people who could create false results, you know, yeah. false audit outcomes and so on. But, you know, I think my vision really is that, you know, RoboDit will be tested regularly for potential security flaws. By another robot audit? <laughs> by myself, because I'm the creator, I'm the software, <laughs> I'm the software developer. <laughs> So, you know, I'll be working with a technical expert, of course, to test yeah. the system regularly for potential security flaws. And, you know, another risk, really, which I thought about when I was thinking about ro ro robot data is that, 
you know, end users might not actually trust the system enough to release their data and their code. Yeah. Right. Um, so really, I'd have to ensure that the system is tested quite rigorously uh, to show that it's fit for purpose. Yeah. You know, to also show that it has, you know, strict data privacy and security mechanisms that sort of comply with relevant uh, regulations or legislations. Well, that's what you said, like the, the yeah. absolute trust in this. And one, I think that's really linked well to the point of um, you saying about making sure it's, because it's going to be world, we want it to be worldwide, of it yes. making sure it, it's fit for purpose for each culture and each, um, yes. yeah, the different requirements that they would yes. need there. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, very Absolutely. heavy task. Without without trust in the system, I don't think um, that developers would be able to. I, I don't think the system will be able to be able to access the data and the code that it needs actually to function. Yeah. So there has to be complete trust um, in it. So what would happen if um, a uh, a group of rival scientists, rival criminologists? <laughs> Perhaps from the uh, uh, the uh, I don't know the American Society of Criminology right. uh, were jealous of Robord and came up with an analysis that showed that it was biased. Yes, mm. yes. So, now who would who would deal with that? Well, my my vision really is that it's going to be rigorously tested and validated. But like I said. There's always the risk of bias, yeah, with any any technology, really. Um, so if something like that happens, I'll see it as a learning opportunity to actually to further test the tool, to further yeah. refine it, you know. Um, so it, it would probably be, it, I think it's best to view robot data as a constant work in progress, you know. Yeah. I'll receive feedback with the feedback, negative, positive, I'd use that to improve the tool. Oh, so suddenly it's, it's a tool. Not, not, a, tool, not, a, tool. not a, a superhero in a cape and... Uh... Well, I, I said tool because the bead I'm working on, I've been using the word a lot. Yeah. So forgive me, it's not a tool. It's a robot. Humanoid <laughs> robot. Okay. <laughs> it, it was sounding pretty powerful and pretty fearsome. <laughs> but... Um, I mean, what, what, and what would happen? Okay, I mean, that so... is the whole story of Iron Man, that Iron Man, like, and the yes. Civil War um, movie, yes. is that Iron Man became a tool of the um, United Nation government. Yes. No, you, yeah. Yes. And... Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's, I mean, there's absolutely, there's always the risk that, you know, um, bad actors, if I may call them that. <laughs> Are we talking about Marvel again? <laughs> may try to sort of um, influence the way the robot robot it works yeah. but I'll always be vigilant and you know like I said I'll always welcome uh, feedback regardless of whether it's negative mm. or positive it's important because it'll, it'll always be a work in progress it'll always be subject to improvements um, because it has to be trustworthy and for that to happen I have to show I'm constantly refining it, testing it, you know, validating it. I mean, so it has to be able to validate itself, does well, it? So, so it, I'm I'm actually the software developer, so I'm not completely removed 
no. from how yes from how robotic functions um so it's not so much robotic refining or validating itself it's me taking on board feedback um from users from very much it's very much a who audits the who watches yeah, the watchers question, exactly. isn't it? And, exactly, uh, because I have to think about now that. you're sounding all humble and uh, <laughs> I would <have> just <laughs> take on. I mean, that's the point I made from the beginning that we, we start off with the best intentions, isn't it? <laughs> and then, and then we, we end up producing some unintended consequences. And, and, and no matter how you know, perfect you feel your AI system is, there will always be risks because they're, you know, at the end of it all, they're created by human beings. You know, um, there'll always be risks associated with them with how they perform. You know, they're created by human beings to make very complex decisions about complex human behavior. Yeah. You know. So they will always. Wow, I feel I feel as if that's the closing scene in this Marvel <laughs> uh, universe. Thing, you know, sort of with this Tony Stark. Yes, we've learned a deep lesson here. There will always be problems yes. because these machines are always built always, by humans. Yeah. And then the second movie starts up where you have a machine that's been created by another machine. Another, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, it's always good to be ambitious when we think of technology, isn't it? When you look at recent, you know, technology, technological advances, you know, there's so much that technology can do. It has so but, much potential. We can think, do exactly. But, you know. But I think it's seen. even better to be ambitious when you're thinking about humanity yeah. and ethics, which you've yeah. really given us. Yes, today. I agree. You've, you've I really agree. served us some of that ethical realness. <laughs> I so, agree. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> yeah. so, thanks. So, uh, so our wrap-up question. Okay. It, Ruby? Well, um, let's wrap up by explaining. So we have created today um, yeah. a robo-audit the game changer. Yeah. Uh, he is here to screen other AI and to make sure they have no bias within them. Yeah. Uh, he is extremely, like, like he's always a work in progress, being yeah. developed. He's grouchy, he's judgy, he's here to protect people. <laughs> the only legal trouble he could possibly ever be in is maybe a plagiarism, plagiarism case from Little Britain. But yes. well, <laughs> I'm glad I acknowledged my source. <laughs> so that is Robo Audit. Is he worth it? I think so. From everything you said, I think he sounds great. <laughs> absolutely. I think it's worth it. I think yeah. it's absolutely worth it. What do you think, Liz? I think, I think you have proved or you have sort of really um, reinforced what, what our ambition with, with, with this was. I think um, you've shown that we can, we can imagine a worthwhile robot. Yes. Uh, we can Absolutely. imagine a kind of future. We can't imagine how we've achieved it yet. Yes. We can imagine the sort of function that, that we haven't been told about yet. Absolutely. Um, in, I totally in, agree. In our 
kind of collective cultural imagination. Yes. So uh, that's brilliant. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you so um, much for inviting me. I really Pamela enjoyed Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> How um, interesting. Just um, so brilliant. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you, Robo Audit. changer. <laughs> I'm going to think about selling it to Marvel Studios. So watch this space. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Remember, we have a new episode each week. Please check out the link below or on our socials for links to our guests or for any further reading on the topics mentioned. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.